0: Oh, great. I tell you, remember to pray for Brother Aaron. He's on vacation this week and family. Brother Dale is on vacation and family. And Christy and Marty and them are on vacation and family. But it's so great to have a praise team and uh, these guys in the church that can just fill right in and go right on. I praise the Lord for them. (laughs) Amen. Uh, This is probably going to be the most watched live stream. Uh, that there ever was. Uh, because I've got a lot of my preacher friends that say, I see you're preaching through Hebrews, but you're going to miss chapter 7. I said, "Nope, I'm not going to miss chapter 7. We're going to deal with it, alright? <laughs> so turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 7. We uh, we dealt with verse 1 last week. And we'll pick up there and, and continue on. Uh, I think of important thing. I know... Probably no one in this crowd was motivated this morning to get up and say, You remember preachers gonna preach on Melchizedek? Let's get there early. Let's get us a good seat. Get there early. Amen. Uh, it, it, but nobody I don't think anybody with all the pressures of life and all of the financial problems, personal problems, marital problems, practical needs, and all that, that somebody wants to learn something from an obscure figure named Melchizedek. But believe it or not, it has a very important part of how we really look at Jesus Christ. Because, you see, the problem was the Jews could not accept how good Melchizedek really was. He's a type of Christ. They couldn't accept how good he was. Now, let me just tell you, if you can't accept how good Melchizedek is, you ain't got a chance of accepting how good Jesus is. Because he's far better than Melchizedek. <laughs> So, look at uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible said, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, uh, they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may say so, so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you how we've been left, lifted up to the very gates of heaven. Thank you for the thoughts and the considerations of your holiness. We continue on with those same thoughts. Lord, you are holy. You're you're righteous. You're the God of peace. Lord, you're the God of healing. You're the God who saves us. And we praise you and thank you. Ask you, Lord Jesus, to make this text simple and clear, that people can understand it, and that, Lord, uh, we would be moved to make uh, decisions at the end of this service. God, that would honor and glorify you. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. To understand this, we need to put this in context a little bit. The uh, Jewish Christians to whom this letter was written, and actually I think Hebrews is really a a sermon all the way through it, but to put this in context, these Jewish Christians were considering leaving Christianity and going back to Judaism. Uh, They'd had enough. Uh, that, you know, they were being persecuted now. And i just I add to this. In, the Bible says that if we're going to live in Christ Jesus, we will be persecuted. We'll face things. I'm not talking about being a smart aleck. I'm talking about if you're just going to live holy and righteous, you're going to try to do the right things. You're going to put Jesus in his exalted place. There are people that are not going to like you. There are people that it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. They don't like righteousness. And so... Uh, we we come here to to this uh, thinking here, and these Jews are saying, "Hey, you know what? We didn't have it as bad as we thought we did. I mean, back when we were in Judaism, we had rituals and we had all the 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 uh, uh, things we had to go through, uh, you know. But but it wasn't bad. People wasn't persecuting us. It wasn't bad as it was now. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to." Uh, to get them to understand and incidentally rituals and all are kind of fulfilling every once in a while you know it kind of makes you stand back with your chest back up when you go through rituals and all of this stuff for the Lord and so the writer of Hebrews is trying to get them to understand if you leave Jesus and you go back to Judaism you're trading down you're not improving you're not going better you're going down you, you're going down. In fact, you're leaving the best for the worst. So he's trying to convince people uh, that uh, the sacrifices and the rituals and the rules that had been in place for 1,400 years were inferior to what the new covenant was in Jesus Christ. Uh, we appreciate The need for a high priest to the degree that we realize how unapproachable God is. Some of us have been too far too familiar with God. He's not your best friend, He's not your bud. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's to be reverenced, He's to be exalted, He's to be lifted up. And and, and when we understand that there is no way, listen to me, no way that you are going to approach a holy God except through a high priest, then you begin to understand how important a high priest is because you can't get to God no other way. Now, Melchizedek was a type of high priest that pointed people to Jesus. But he... Offered sacrifices. He had to do just like the Old Testament was. The Old Testament law never could save anybody. Never was intended to save anybody. It was to point people toward the new covenant. And when he comes out there and he's got his, uh, his bread and his, and his wine there, that's another pointer to the new covenant that Jesus Christ on the cross died for our sins. And he gave his blood and shed his body so that we could have everlasting life. And let me tell you, we don't need any other sacrifices. We don't need to sacrifice animals. We don't need any other rituals. We don't need any of that. We can come boldly before the throne of God because of our high priest, Jesus Christ. Israel in the wilderness had seen Moses go up on the mountain into the cloud Lightning and thunder and loud trumpet sound and they were terrified and God told them in Exodus 19 He said you break forth upon them You come up a little closer and I'll put a deadly plague on you The Jews knew that you didn't just lackadaisically walk into the temple You didn't just go into the Holy of Holies That was forbidden from you That's the old covenant That's the Old Testament when Isaiah saw the Lord, he's even if we've already sang this morning, he said, Woe is me. It, woe is me. He goes up and he realizes that there is no way in the world that he can get through a holy God. He said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And so he's making the point that Jesus is our high priest. That's what Melchizedek was here for, to make the point Jesus is our high priest. So you need to know about Melchizedek because he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand him, you're not going to understand Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you remember the author of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 5.10 was saying, I really wanted to preach to you about Melchizedek. I wanted to share some things with you about Melchizedek. But you know why I couldn't? Because y'all been goofing around and y'all been, been loafing around and you're not serious in the word anymore and you can't take it. It's too deep. When you're talking about Melchizedek, you pastors out there who are listening, we're talking about deep sermons. That's why you don't want to get into them. It's deep. So here's the deal. If you leave here today and you're saying, well, I don't understand any more about Melchizedek, you're going to show your ignorance. You need to be leaving here and saying, that's the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> huh? <laughs> because when you're studying Melchizedek, you're studying the deeper things of the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> he comes out, and uh, the, the first thing, the author shows that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, the father of the Jews and all the believers, and Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, and he blessed Abraham. He shows that he was greater than the Levitical priest. So the Levitical priest, he's better than them. He shows he's better than Abraham. And they're thinking to themselves, you're telling me that Jesus is greater than all the priests? Now, I imagine in their mind they were thinking, yeah, oh, Caiaphas, yeah, there's no doubt he's better than him. But you mean to tell me you're telling me that Jesus is a better high priest than Moses? Aaron? Yep. You, you, you're telling me that Jesus is a better high priest than Jeremiah or Nehemiah? Yep. You, you, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is the high priest. And Melchizedek could represent righteousness, but Jesus is righteousness. There's a big difference in that. So, Over and over again, we see the pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and this points us toward Jesus. Now, why did Abraham give Melchizedek a tithe? Why did he do that? You say, well, tithing is taught. Well, I want to tell you some things this morning. You're going to think, ah, that's crazy, preacher. I didn't think you believed that. Number one is this. I have a hard time preaching the New Covenant tells you you've got the tithe. Hmm. Now that's how we get our whole income, by these tithes and all this. I just have a hard time. You say, well, uh, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, and that was before the Old Testament law. He did one time, but we never have another record of it. Uh, We tithe or we give because, number one, the grace of God. I mean, I, I, I can park here just a minute and just say thank you as a church uh, for your generosity and your giving because you're a generous church. You're, you're, you're a blessing. You're a blessing. This church blesses many people. Uh, and I say thank you. The statistics show, and it's not a whole lot better here, but a little bit better, but statistics show less than 25% of the people in a church tithe. Can you imagine what we could do if 100% tithe? Yeah. Now, you're saying, well, I didn't think you could, you could prove tithing. Well, l- listen to what Dr. Adrian Rogers said. He said, and I'm quoting him, Friend, anybody who would let a Jew under law do more than he would do under grace is a disgrace to grace. In other words, the Jews were not under grace. They were under the law. He's saying anybody that'll let a Jew give 10% and you won't even do that, that's a disgrace to grace. You say, preacher, what what do you mean? Well, let, let me just share this my wife and I went on a date last night uh... didn't have no power at home so just well incidentally the power may go out anytime here don't fret I mean we're we're in that zone now where if it sprinkles the power goes off uh... ours this has been five times now in the last week or so uh... so don't worry about a thing we got emergency lights and we'll we'll don't worry about a thing i'll just keep on preaching uh... <laughs> Uh, But we went on a date last night, and we thought we'd just kind of step up, step out a little bit. And uh, we went to this new Mexican restaurant. Of course, Mexican's her favorite food, and I love it, too, because she loves it. And that's the only reason I love it. Heartburn and pepsi AC, and all that, but I get through it. We go to—we have a regular Mexican restaurant— and, but we wanted to step out. We were on a date. We wanted to do nice. So they sit us in this bar, and it, it's so loud you can't hear yourself think. And we just had two entrees. We didn't have no appetizers. We didn't have nothing special. I paid $48 for two of us. And with the tip, it was around $56. You can figure out what I tip. And then I come to church this morning, and I'm going to give $20 in the offering plate and say, Lord, you've been blessed. Huh? I mean, when I spend an hour and a half in a Mexican restaurant and throw away $55, $56, and I'm going to come to the place where God has sacrificed everything for me, and I'm going to flip him a little tip and say, Lord, you've been blessed. You, think, you ought to be thankful for what I give to you. We we give because of grace. Man, God's grace, amazing grace. The second reason, though, we give is because of the greatness of God. Look at verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. (laughs) You, You know what that tithe means? You know what that title means there? That title represents the fact that God owns it all. And if you want to go back to the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament, because it can go both ways, your tithe, when you're tithing, when you're giving, you're saying, God, you own it all. I'm giving to you a portion back, but I understand that you own it all. Oh, no, preacher, I own my own house, free and clear. No, you don't. I'm telling you, he owns a sheep and he owns a wool on the back of the sheep. He owns a cattle and he owns a, well, he owns a hill. He owns it all. And so we give because of the greatness of God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. My soul, he's great. He's also grace. But we also give because of the goodness of God. Look at verse 20. Uh, uh, Melchizedek said blessed is the most high God Now we're, we're over in Genesis, I'm sorry I didn't tell you all that <laughs> Melch- Melchizedek is in three spots He's in uh, Genesis 14, he's in uh, Psalm 76 And he's here in Hebrews chapter 7 And so verse 19 says that uh, we give because of the goodness of God Blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abram, gave him tithes of all. Hadn't God been good to us? I mean, hadn't he really been good to us? He's given us victory day by day. Is it any big thing to give God ten cents out of every dollar when somebody has died for us to give us eternal life? Then we give, not only because of the grace of God, not only because of the greatness of God, not only because of the goodness of God, we give because of the glory of God. The king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. The king of Sodom, he's already been defeated. He's coming up trying to barter with Abraham. And Abraham says, Oh, no, 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 no. I done made up my mind. I'm not giving you a thing. And I'm not taking a thing from you. Period. Do do you realize that the Bible says, I just read the scripture this morning, that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever? You want to know why folk are having a hard time being saved? Because the God of this age, listen to me, you're going to face two kings just like Abraham faced two kings. Abraham faced the king of Melchizedek. He's righteous and he's peace. And incidentally, those things come in an order. You can't have peace without having righteousness. He had righteousness and then he had peace. And then he faces another king, the king of Sodom, who represents the devil in this world. And I'm telling you, when you leave here, before you get out of the parking lot, You'll be dealing with two kings. You'll be dealing with whether you're going to go with the king of Salem, the king of righteousness and peace, or whether you're going to go with the king of Sodom, of this world. And it doesn't stop; it continues on. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, "I have lifted up mine hand under the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth." I've made a covenant. God, you're the most high God. You're the possessor of heaven. And he said, I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. And I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I've made Abram rich. Wow. Melchizedek, quickly, is a type of Christ in the worth of his person. Everything we know comes from Genesis 14, Psalm 110, and and Hebrews 7. That first text is historical. The second text is a prophetic. And the third text here is theological. And he's the king of Salem, righteousness, the most high God there. And out of that account, the author of Hebrews is drawing some amazing parallels here. The first thing, and I would have thought would have been big on his mind, but yet he doesn't even mention it. He comes out, Melchizedek does, with wine and bread. I mean, immediately, I don't know what you think, but immediately I think about Jesus dying on the cross. His blood and his body was broken for our sin. He doesn't even mention that. He doesn't even bring that up. He, he, he makes the point that Melchizedek was first of all by the translation king of righteousness and then the king of peace, but Jesus is called the righteous. He's not the king of righteousness. He is the righteous. He'll rage war against the wicked and. Revelation 19 as the Bible states with righteousness he'll judge the poor he'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked and righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithless faithfulness the belt about his waist there'll be no end to the increase of his government that's what Isaiah says Jesus is also the king of peace he brings peace between sinners and God and There is no such thing as living as a Savior without living as Lord. He is Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said in Romans 5, therefore, having been justified, that's declared righteous. God is declared as righteous. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. God did not lay aside his righteousness to have peace with you or me. Jesus paid the cost. He paid the price for it. He didn't lay it aside. Then Melchizedek is a type of Christ in the duration of his priesthood. The author of Hebrews is building an argument here about the silence of Genesis. Genealogies. He says, without father, without mother. My grandfather fought in the Civil War. You say, oh, no, you mean your great-grandfather. No, my grandfather fought in the Civil War. He was born in 1838. He fought out of Nacogdoches. And he died in the 20s. And I know where he's buried. He's buried up at Appleby at Bethel Cemetery out of Nacogdoches. I have scoured this world for 45 years. Trying to find out when or where he was born. Or when or where he died. I have never Found anything? I think that's him in the dirt there. That's what they say. The tombstone says that, but that there's no. See, he's not saying that Melchizedek has no father and has no mother. He's saying they have no record of a father or mother. It's a whole different ball game. Melchizedek was a mortal. He was a type of Christ that pointed us. To Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus' human lineage is given in Scripture. And, and if you want to make him the pre incarnate Christ and you want to do that because of this genealogy, lack of genealogy there, there's one other big problem you got to go through. And that is that Jesus had a monthly, uh, uh, earthly mother. Hmm. If you go through and say, oh, no, he had no father, he had no mother, he's superhuman. Some people say he was Seth. Some people say he was an angel. He's superhuman. Then he can't be like Christ because Christ had an earthly mother. Mm. So he's a type of Christ is what I believe, and he's pointing us to the real Christ, to Jesus Christ. Uh, The last thing here, and we'll close it, is He's a type of Christ in his priesthood. He was God's, Abraham was God's chosen man, and God's promise to bless the nations through him. Melchizedek blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Hmm so Melchizedek is only a type of the one who's greater still the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is greater still let me just ask you this if Melchizedek could bless you and bless uh, Abraham how much more could Jesus bless you how much more if you submitted to him could he bless you now let me just conclude and I'm through I want to just make one other statement I have said it over and over again and I'll keep saying it over again the most important question you can answer today is the same answer that Jesus asked his disciples who do you say I am who, who, who do you say I am see I I, I don't think uh, as I pointed out many times uh, uh, Thinking about leaving Christ and going back to Judaism. I don't think anybody got up this morning and say, Well, you got one more shot, preacher. If the sermon is not just outstanding, if the music is not top notch, I'm just telling you I'm out of here. I'm taking my doll and I'm going home. I'm gonna go back to Judaism. I'm gonna get me a menorah. I'm gonna get me one of them little beanies and all the candles. I'm going to do all the rituals and I'm going to do all the things I'm supposed to do. I'm going back to Judaism, to the temple. I never heard anybody say that. Never heard and never saw anybody do that. But i tell you what I have seen. In 52 years, I've seen hundreds upon hundreds that have left Jesus for far less than that I've seen men who somehow or another happen to touch a woman's hand and that lead to one thing and I've watched men over my ministry leave their wives, leave their children and leave Jesus And go back and I just want to remind you this morning you're trading down you're not coming up you're trading down I've seen hundreds of people in my ministry hundreds upon hundreds that thought business they got started and they they got a love for money they wanted to get ahead and I've watched as they left Jesus and went for business. You didn't trade up, folk, you traded down. I've seen it happen with hobbies. I've seen it happen with sports. Anything you trade for Jesus, you're going down. You're trading down. It'd be like this you 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 you're the superintendent of the schools. But you've had a desire to be the principal of the high school. So you fight all year long to try to get that principal's position. You get it. Next year you think, you know what I'd really want to be as a coach. I don't want to be a principal, I want to be a coach. So you fight all year long to be a coach. Somebody ought to get you by the hand and say, son, you go in the wrong direction. You, you were at the top and you're going down to the bottom. The direction you need to be going is start where you are and let's go to the top. You're going in the wrong direction. And anything you put between you and Jesus, I'm telling you, you're trading down. You're sacrificing the best for actually what's going to end up being the worst. The least. So what do we do? (laughs) Well, I believe this would be a good Sunday. We don't have no sand in here. We got carpet, and it's got some rips in it, so if you need to rip one, go ahead. Somebody needs to draw some lines and say, I'm not getting over this. I'm telling you right now, I'm coming back to Jesus. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus, no turning back. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I have no idea. Becky and I were talking yesterday I said, well we better not say that but I just want to tell you don't quit praying for your grandchildren and your children boy what this generation does in moderation the next one's going to come out and do it in excess we're in a world and we're in a society today that we're watching things happen we're watching girls wear stuff and boys wear stuff and rings and tattoos and all of this stuff that your mama and daddy and my mama and daddy and my grandparents would have turned over in their grave. You know why? Because we got more involved in the world than we did with Jesus. I'm asking you this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're up against. But I just tell you this. According to the author of Hebrews, anything less than Jesus, you're trading down. So I'd encourage you, maybe you need to be saved today. You you can't have peace without being saved. Maybe you need to come to Jesus today, say, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself. It's only through the blood of Jesus that I can be saved. There's no other way. You can't work it, you can't give it, you can't earn it. It, it's only through Jesus. It's His grace. Maybe today you need a church home, <laughs> man. I, we need we need people. We need people who love Jesus, <laughs> people who are saved by the blood and love Jesus and wanna, You know, I had an old preacher tell me at uh, New Orleans. We were talking about this, and he's much older than I am, probably thirty years older than me, at least. Uh, yeah. Uh, he said you want to know what I tell my people He's still preaching at 93 Uh, he said I tell my people you want to prove you love Jesus come by the church office and let me get your checkbook out and see what's in it because that'll reveal what you really love hmm I think I probably said enough (laughs) father in the name of Jesus Would you fall fresh on this service? God, you're great. God, you're good. Lord, your grace abounds. And you're the possessor of everything, of our lives, of all the physical things we have. Lord, help us today to draw that line and say, I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to turn back not turning back would you just let your will be done in every life here in Jesus name Amen